Welcome to the Voices of LTCI, presented by the Helper Bees. This is a podcast about the industry that's shaping the way millions of older adults are aging, focusing on stories from those who got us here and those who are carrying us forward. These are the Voices of LTCI. Hey everybody, I'm Shar Hugh. I'm CEO of the Helper Bees, and welcome to another episode of Voices of Long-Term Care Insurance. Today, we have Peter Lucas. He is CEO of Davies Life and Health. Uh, I've known Peter for a long time now, um, and I'm very excited that he's here because he's got a really interesting career that he's going to dive a little bit more into, which is going from the carrier side to the TPA side. So talk a little bit about, I hope, uh, share a little bit of knowledge of what it means to be a third-party administrator in our industry and how that may or may not be changing as as the industry evolves. So Peter, really glad that you're on, and thank you for being here. Well, thanks, Jared. Very happy to be here today. Uh, so always the first question, it's how did you get your start in long-term care insurance? Um, was it on the carrier side? Were you an actuary? What role did you play? Uh, take us back uh, to that that first sort of event that brought you into our industry. Yeah, so, you know, um, it's the gray hair that I have. You have a long career behind you. But I was, let's say, it's only about 20 years ago that I actually got into LTC. So I had a career before then, but... I worked for General Electric at that point in time, GE, um, and um, was one of those career moments where you say, what's my next role going to be? And so I was uh, interviewing at different locations, and uh, one of the interviews was with the LTC business uh, that at that point in time, GE had. And um, one of the things that actually made a big impact on me when I was interviewing was the amount of passion that people had for this product which are like, wow, this is really different than I've seen in some other places where people, yeah, we are, this is what we're doing. But here, people actually cared not just about the product, but also the impact the product had. And you know, that, that gave me the feel of, I want to be part of this. And so that, that was actually uh, early uh, 2003 that I made uh, the switch into that. So it's, uh, it's indeed uh, 20 years now. Um, and uh, so that was really impactful. So... I actually spent only a year in what they call the product development area. Um, and um, after that, uh, as you might uh, still remember, uh, GE sold off their insurance business and that became Genworth. And so we came, went from a GE to Genworth. And uh, Genworth at that point in time was basically the largest carrier in the industry. Um, but they were a big individual player and had no group business. And of course, there were some competitors of us at that point in time that, that were in the group. So after about a year, having to get to know a little bit about the uh, individual product, um, I was asked uh, by Buck Stinson, who was the CEO at that point in time, to uh, to set up the, the group business. So it's actually in a, I was uh, building the group business for uh, uh, for Jamworth at that point in time. And I've heard you say on some of those podcasts with other guests before about what a small world this is. So guess who became my TPA? It was Peter Goldstein. And uh, so Peter and I know each other also for uh, for almost 20 years now. And um, uh, LTCG, now Lumafin, was the TPA that we used at that point in time uh, for uh, for building the group business. So it's a, it's a small world, as, uh, as you can hear. Uh, one of your other guests I heard talking about the ARP accounts, and it was Jody who uh, with MetLife got an ARP account. So a couple of years later, when ARP was looking for, let's say, put their uh, uh, their account to bid, 
uh, I, I let the effort uh, on, um, let's say, on uh, on behalf of Jamworks to actually go after it. And the good news is we won that account. And what you will see is, um, you know, I, I worked at that point in time with Aaron Ball, who's now at uh, New York Life. And when Aaron moved to New York Life, where did the ARP account go? Went to New York Life. So, you know, we all know each other a little bit and we have common history here. And that's why I think it's good and important to have a strong relationship within the industry here in general. That was basically, you know, my career life was building group, doing ARP, and then also at one point I was responsible for the uh, distribution through the financial institutions. So think Edward Jones, think Ameriprise. Um, and then I left. So I made the switch, as, as you uh, referred to Char earlier on, made the switch to go from the carrier to a very small TPA at that point in time, Triplus. Um, and um, that, that was an interesting career change, uh, but it's good to be on the other side as well. And you know, let's say um, what the carrier looks for. I knew what I was looking for when uh, Lumafin was the TPA and also know what, let's say the value proposition that, that I thought was a good one on the go forward basis for, for Triplus. And so that I thought was an interesting switch. And, and if also for the, the, the team at uh, Triplus, which I thought was very talented, at uh, that point, they only had one big client uh, as, as part of their, their business. So they treated that client as whether they were the insurance company, which actually is a really good way to, to think about it. This, you really want to step in the shoes of the uh, the insurance company, and 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 just act, behave, and and add culture as whether you are them. At the same time, we had to make sure that we recognized that we weren't the insurance company; we were an independent TPA, and wanted to make sure that uh, we we changed the way we thought about that part also a little bit. Well, that's interesting. I, I was at a dinner uh, with Steve Surface and Dan Reese over at Trans, and they actually mentioned you and TriPlus. And Steve said, if they write a book about long-term care insurance, there's going to be at least one chapter, and I'm paraphrasing, on TriPlus. Is there anything that you can shed? Because he was just so impressed with the work that, frankly, you and your entire team did um, early on, relatively small. I don't know all the challenges that were faced. But uh, according to some, some people who've been in the industry, who are luminaries in the industry, that was a massive shift for our industry as a whole. Just that little TPA of TriPlus being able to, to do what you did. Anything, anything that you can share or allowed to share around, I wouldn't call it a turnaround because I don't think that's how it was cast, but I think it was uh, an expansion of scope and expansion of capabilities uh, from a fairly bleak picture early on. Is that a fair characterization? I think it's a fair characterization that we have made uh, uh, big steps forward. Let's let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, now I'm I'm very proud of the team that we had at that point in time. Proud of the team that we have today about uh, the change we've made. Um, happy to hear that the industry is uh, recognizing that. Uh, people like Steve Service have uh, recognizing that um, that that we made those steps forward. And um, you know, it it was a we took a very pragmatic approach here where we said, hey, what are our current strengths? And if I would be the insurer, what would I be looking for? And try to match our value proposition with, with our strengths and recognizing what they, those are, uh, those were, and, and then link that up with the right type of carrier. So 
clearly early on, we were not in, in a position, let's say, to go after large blocks. And, and we recognized that. So we had to build the trust in the market and did that step by step with smaller accounts initially. And the account started to grow from size. And with that, um, with that also, the uh, I would say the industry started to trust more, mostly also because we actually delivered upon what we promised. And I thought that was a, was a big, big deal for us. So we want to make sure that we always, let's say, we're honest about our capabilities, not overstating it. And then when it came came true that we were, over, let's say, able to deliver upon uh, expectation and many times beyond expectation. And I think that that started to, at one point in time, let's say, change also the, um, the, our own confidence in our own capabilities and know that, you know, we were good at what we were doing. So it sounds like that was a big milestone for you, you know, moving from GE going to Genworth and then TriPlus at the time. Um, are there any other large, significant milestones? This could be an event development within our industry um, that you would point to that's been really formative uh, sort of to you. Yeah, and I mentioned a couple here, right? So I, I did mention a couple early on. I say what I what I believe is what what formed me to make sure that I was able to step in the shoes of my clients right and having been the client itself you know what you like about let's say a, a tpa or a service provider in general and what the things that you probably less appreciate and, and so i, I we kept that uh, the good news is tripos actually had some of that culture already so i definitely don't want to take full credit of any of that because we had really good people there and but basically strengthening that their belief and uh, uh, the support of the board that we had at that point in time to, to do so, our investors to do so. I thought that, that was important. Um, you know, if, if I look back at my career in general, it is every time that we were able to get clients to convince clients to uh, of our value proposition and the value we could bring was a, a big moment for me if they gave us the trust to do so. And so we had that a couple of times. I mentioned the ARP account. I think it was a, was a big one for TriPlus. It was a big one when LTC Re and Olga selected us to actually handle the uh, the Panfidi block at that point in time. So that was a big switch where we took over uh, a lot of the, the people and in, in infrastructure that Panfidi had at that point in time. So I do believe that that was an instrumental moment for, for TriPlus to, uh, to, to make that change. And I'm, I'm very proud to say, re most recently, Mass Mutual actually made the same decision when they went to market and to select their new TPA, and they selected uh, now Davies uh, as their, their, their new TPA. And we are right now in the middle of the, the conversion process to, uh, to bring that, that block on board. So, um, for some of those who always have been thinking of uh, TriPlus as, hey, you're the carrier for the smaller blocks. I think we could now make the argument is we are past that stage and uh, that uh, that we are now also, let's say, in, in the market for the larger blocks and where more capabilities are, are needed. So that feels good. Now, you asked me what, if you asked me, you know, what drove that change? I do believe that the acquisition by Davies of uh, TriPlus in uh, late 2020 has been a really big part of that change. And um, so the... 
um, being part of Davis gives us access to significantly more resources in general. Uh, there's a large uh, technology team as part of uh, of, of Davis, um, and I think the, uh, the the trust in the stability of the company actually has dramatically grown. We have uh, large carriers filled with trust in Davis right now is about seven thousand employees worldwide, um, so and growing. And so I think there's a belief that you know Davis is there for the long term. And with that, let's say the services that we offer will be there for the long term. Wow. Well, I, I, I know you said it, but I, I want to make sure we underline. I mean, that's a huge, huge win for you guys over at Davies. So congratulations on the Mass Mutual block. Um, as you sort of alluded to, I, I mean, the capabilities that, that Davies has now brought, I'm sure, played a role in that earning of, of significant business. Now, you said something earlier too that I think also must have contributed to something like a mass mutual, which was like identifying um, or at least presenting yourself to earn trust within your customers. And that's a, a thread that I've heard you say over the last several minutes, which is you have your value proposition as a company, but you have to earn the trust, you have to earn the relationship. And sometimes that's by putting yourself in your their shoes as a carrier, as a policyholder, speaking that language, but designing your technology and your services for those unique value propositions can be a form of earning trust. And I think that's a really significant value for other providers out there who are trying to do good work and partner with either large TPAs like you guys or large carriers. I think a lot of people think it's just about the product and it is. If the product stinks, it's you know you're not going to go anywhere. But earning trust, because in our industry, it's a longstanding relationship. You're not cutting a deal for six months or three months. Ideally, these are many years and there's a lot of lives that are counting on it. So trust has to be that bedrock. And I hear you echoing that um, consistently. And so so congratulations to you and to the Davies team. Thank you, Char. Yes. So along that, so you, you just painted a nice 20-year picture. and You've gone back 20 years from GE to Genworth. Um, along the way, as you've risen in the ranks and now are CEO and leading a, a, a big division, um, what are some major personal lessons that you've learned um, that you've applied in your professional life? What, are, what, are, what is anything that has stayed with you to uh, influence your philosophy or your management or even your, the way that you remain productive? Yeah, so they, they are basically from over a period of time. And they, I have a couple of examples of things that I've started to apply over time, right? So um, what's not all of the... People probably will know that my background, actually, I started off at the uh, Dutch version of West Point, so as a military uh, career officer. Um, mm -hmm. Didn't stay too long in there, but, you know, I, I finished the uh, the academy, spent another four or five years in the Army, and then moved to GE at that point in time. But one of the, the important things there that you learned is the time between action and today and the moment and when you have to go in action. You have to make sure that you take time to think through what your solution is. So don't jump to conclusions right away. Actually, you know, take the time to think. And then, you know, as they always say, keep it simple, right? So sometimes we think very making very complex things and keep them complex. But if you are able to make them relatively simple, that uh, and you can take the time to communicate that well then you can actually focus on the execution afterwards so that there's no confusion of what, what we're doing, where we're going. And I think that has been an important thing, helping the teams that, that I led to make sure that there was clarity on where we're going and then also making sure that everyone was clear on the path we were taking 
and then trying to keep them, allow them the freedom to make their own decisions, but stay within the boundaries that still all led to the right place, that we didn't go left or right. Um, so I think that, that was an important one in general. Now, almost feels like the opposite of that, but one of the one of my bosses at one point in time say, hey, you have good instincts, so trust them. In other words, don't overthink certain things, right? So yeah, sometimes you have to think it through, especially when there's there. But sometimes you also just have to trust your instincts and, and go with it. And so it, you have to balance those two at the same time. Almost. So it's um, the third one, and my team will actually, you know, will... Uh, We'll hear you say that I, I typically put things in the, what I call the three-stack theory, right? Um, and I think that's that's an important one in the form of there are a lot of things that are being asked of us as individuals, as professionals. Uh, I always kept three things in mind. There's the things that your boss wants you to do, so you probably need to be aware of what it is that, that he or she is looking for, right? Then you have a good sense of what it is that you want to do in order to do a good job and think that how you need to perform and make sure that you, you get to that. Because what frequently gets in the way, there are a lot of other people that are asking things from you that actually get in the way of you doing a good job or delivering what your boss is asking for. Frequently, we want to be very nice people. I don't want to be a nice person, but if your nicety gets in the way of getting the things done that are crucial to for success, you're not helping anyone. And so therefore, I think it's important to make sure that you understand what is wrong. And I think that has helped probably clarify things. And you heard me making things simple, making sure that you know where you're going, that that has helped people to, to and the teams that I work with, uh, and also myself, to make sure that we were focusing on the right things. Yeah. That's great. I mean, you, you've gone from keep it simple, but analyze do your due diligence, and then also acknowledge when you need to just trust in your gut and your instinct. Those are so challenging. It's challenging in an industry that is experts at assessing risk. When do you dive in? Um, and I think for us as a small company at the Helper Bees, that's been a challenge for us is you don't have that large body of information to to rely upon because by definition, we're pushing the envelope forward. Um, and so instinct and gut and preparation are all we can rely on. And so that's interesting to hear you say uh, and really highlight really that that push and pull of instinct and preparation, um, which leads me sort of to the next question that I've been really dying to ask is around third party administrators. So TPAs, what is your instinct? What is your gut telling you around where the TPA world is moving? Do you see it evolving as long term care insurance itself evolves? Um, what do you see the role of TPAs and what are you particularly at Davies doing about it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, Chara. And um, you know, th this is one that I think starts, and many of your guests have shared their thoughts about where the industry is going. I, what, one part of the industry, I think, is we are redefining what we define as our industry, right? It becomes It's a different industry today than where it was, let's say, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. And um, so, um, you know, there are many third parties in this in this ecosystem, I would say, that, that play a role. Um, with that, I, I think from an industry standpoint, and I will get to your question in a minute, bear with me here. You know, we are a much more professional industry today than where we maybe were 10 years or 20 years ago. Um, I think there's a 
larger embracement of innovation and uh, companies like like the helper bees are, are bringing that to uh, to the table here um, where we're going and there's much more investment in technology and recognizing that um, technology has its place and where we're going and then with, with wellness let's say how do we make sure that you pilot the right ones right so as an industry you have to find the right place so how do you work in that as a tpa i think you have to make those investments and uh, especially in the technology where I, I do believe there's the, the bolts and nuts and bolts in in doing the work, recognizing what it is that makes difference between good and bad work. And then if you define what good work looks like, how can you automate some of that? But how do you also make, and I, I talk about claim decisions. Now, 80% of the claim decisions are relatively simple. The other 20, you actually either make the right or the wrong decision if you don't know what you're doing, right? So how do we make sure that we have the, the human intellect there, but also uh, you use machine learning in order to to differentiate between those two, right? And and so uh, you know, we're we're doing some experiments with with that right now, and you know more more to come on that world. And I truly believe we're not the only ones who are doing that, but that's that I believe is a place where as an industry or as a TPA, we have to, to work. The next one is probably a little bit more ambivalent and because different TPAs take a different approach here. And my team and I are, are uh, want to be very agnostic about some of the, the other service providers, right? So whether you talk about assessment providers, about wellness providers, we don't have an agenda to drive this is the wellness provider or the assessment provider you have to have if you're a tpa who has assessments as a capability clearly you would prefer to use your own capabilities there right so i think the industry is moving and if you are not agnostic to let's say who are the providers in that industry you might actually not provide the service that your, your client is looking for so that's that is personal belief but um, that's also what uh, at Davies we are we are following at that point in time. Now the last part, and you know, it's the investment in technology. I think data analytics become more and more important for us. So as a TPA, we have to make sure that we have the right infrastructure and can support uh, our clients to actually do the analytics that they are looking for. And so if you think about those three things in general, being agnostic, making the investments. And knowing, and as you said, is you know where to put your time and energy in, and uh, I think that's that's important. So hopefully that gives you a kind of a view of yeah. uh, what we're investing in. Yeah, I'm not going to attest to a lot of that. I mean, we work with you guys on what you call like the nuts and bolts, and you always have a, a, a multiple multi vendor strategy. And, and I think the goal there is that agnosticism that you're you're, you're talking about, where you let sort of the best provider or even maybe the carrier dictate it and, and you played sort of that conduit. But what's interesting about Davies and at least my personal experience with you guys is your ability over the years to talk about some of the innovation that we particularly would have. You haven't yet deployed all of them, but I think your goal is to understand what's, what's out there in the industry. Um, if a carrier should come to you and want these tools, you'll be ready to speak, not only knowledgeable about it, but we also talk about implementation how practically you might go about it. And so it's not just um, it's not just a conversation. It's actually diligence for a particular avenue that you might travel down. So, I mean, I, I absolutely can attest to the fact that Davies in general, you guys are thinking about where the industry is moving and what role can you play should a, should a carrier need 
to launch even some new, like you mentioned, digitization or new wellness programs. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for uh, saying that, Char. I, I, I want to expand on that a little bit because one thing is saying, hey, I can have, let's say, a wellness vendor being part of the solution. But how do you make sure that it's almost like a seamless experience, right? Both for either the policyholder or for the carrier. And so uh, we, we are very big on making sure that we integrate on an API level. So it's not just, it, it really becomes, let's say, one solution versus a hodgepodge of, of things. So I think we are very big into that. And, and you know, I have to give my team credit for having the ability to do so and, and making sure that that's a big focus of uh, how we operate. Yeah, I think you guys in our industry might be the only or at least the first to our knowledge to launch an exposed API for any part of the claims process. Uh, and I don't think that's widely known, but um, at least to our experience, I mean, it's, it's a pretty significant achievement. Um, and I know it wasn't easy to do, but you, you guys had the, the the foresight and the fortitude to build it because it's hard. And what's, what's particularly challenging, not just the technical aspects of it, is I, I, I maybe you can speak to this, where you're concerned you're building a bridge to nowhere, meaning, great, you have an exposed API were you ever concerned that other vendors couldn't hit it or that the carrier didn't need it? Or was it purely just this, hey, we're going to build it and they'll come? Um, it's it's a mix of those two, Char. So, um, you know, the analogy that, that I sometimes use is kind of a hub and spoke model, right? So we want to be uh, the hub for all those services. Um, and I, I make a differentiation between some of the things that are basically, you know, um, are proven innovations in the industry. So if you think about EVV and things like that, that's there to stay, right? So we know it's going to be there. So clearly that's an area where we want to do the API integration right away. Now there might be some wellness programs initially we want to accommodate, but might not fully integrate. So I think there's a difference between when when there's a proven capability or a proven uh, success rate in the market of certain solutions, we want to make sure that we do it on an API level. When it's just a, a small pilot early on, we probably don't go all that way because you don't want to go uh, good money after bad, right? So it, it's a it's a fine it's a fine balance. You want to make sure that you are flexible, put those pilots out, get success if it's success and is there to stay integrated. Well, on behalf of all the EVV vendors, we're one of them in our industry. Thank you for saying essentially that EVV is table stakes now. And it used to be one of those things that might be innovative, uh, but now it's just something you absolutely have to have as part of the new modern caregiver and uh, policyholder experience. I would agree with you there. Yeah. Great. We'll, we'll close it there. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. More importantly, thank you for everything you've done for the industry. Um, it's a breath of fresh air to hear that. You know, as, a, as a TPA technology is really a core tenant and a core investment area for you guys, but not applied indiscriminately and not applied uh, just because it's cool, applying it because of using your role uh, or your historical role as a carrier and understanding that perspective and deploying tools that will have high impact to the policyholders and the carrier in general. Um, so we appreciate that and, and thank you again. Thank you, Charlie. It was great to be here.